Welcome to the Bible Unbound podcast, the book of Revelation. In our last podcast episode, we began to look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, what we called the great vision of Jesus Christ that God gave to John there on the island of Patmos when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so we opened up what we called the central theme or the central emphasis of that great vision, which was a demonstration of who the true reigning, ruling, glorified Jesus is as presented in that vision. It was remarkable to see all of the attributes of Jesus brought forth into the mind of the Apostle John there as he received this great towering vision. We saw Jesus as one similar to the book of Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 10 with hair like wool, the whiteness of his radiance, the eyes like a flame of fire as they pierced the darkness, voice like a thousand Niagara Falls roaring with crystal brilliance, right hand uplifted there holding the seven shimmering stars, the darting sword-like power of his words and his face shining with the radiance of a thousand suns, all focused on one sight. And we know that John was brought to an end of himself before that vision because it says, as we'll see next time, he fell down at his feet as dead. Well, today we want to focus on the scope or the breadth of the vision, just who is to be included in this incredible vision of the Lord Jesus. Who is it for? Well, obviously it was for John, but through the Spirit, John was led to record the scene, and then he was commanded to send it, along with the rest of the content of the book of Revelation, to the seven churches at Asia Minor. We saw also in our vision last time that the word seven is as the word of completion. It is used in the sense of the fullness of the church. These seven churches, the fullness, the completeness, that is, to every generation of churches, that's who the intended recipients of this vision were. And we're going to prove that a little bit more as we notice the interesting correspondence between verse 11 of Revelation 1 and verse 20, along with actual content of chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the churches of Asia Minor. So we notice in verse 11 that John says, Walking in the midst of the golden candlesticks was one like the Son of Man. Now, if you compare that, walking in the midst of the golden candlesticks, to verse 20, where it comes right out and indicates that the candlesticks are the churches. So, the candlesticks represent the churches. The candles uh, emanate light. The churches should be places of light in the midst of a very dark world. Christ, 
who is the light, radiates his light in his body, that is the local churches and the universal church. And so they are seen in the representation of light or candlesticks. But notice that the elements of the vision, these nine attributes that were referred to, picturing the towering person of Jesus Christ, these elements or attributes are mentioned in each one of the following churches at Asia Minor. For example, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, this is chapter 2, verse 1, notice the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Chapter 2, verse 8, this is to the church at Smyrna. It says, the words of the first and last who died and came to life. Now, that was mentioned in chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Notice that chapter 2, verse 12, and the angel of the church at Pergamum, write the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword that was found in verse 16 of chapter 1. One more example, and to the church at Thyatira says, the words of the Son of God who has the eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So the implication here is that this was not just a vision for John. This was a vision for every church. Every church throughout every generation participates in the glory, centrality, and supremacy of Jesus what do we experience when we attend church on any given day that the church gathers? Is this our primary concern? Is this our vision? Is there anything of participation in this incredible vision? That's the role of the church, to magnify Christ to emphasize the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing that as a church, we have missed the mark. Everything is secondary to that. Displaying the supreme glory, centrality, and preeminence of Jesus in all things. That's the purpose that this central vision found in chapter 1 was splintered off into pieces and given to the seven churches at Asia Minor. Now, it's interesting that each letter in chapters 2 and 3 also ends with this phrase, he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And also a phrase, he who overcomes. So there are two more issues that need to be elaborated within our churches week by week. Do we hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches? Because the Spirit is alive, and He is communicating, not in some special secret pipeline to God, but through His living Word. Does the Word come alive in our churches today? And secondly, are we overcomers? To Him who overcomes will I, and then Christ always promises something of future and eternal blessing to each of the seven churches. That means to us. Are we overcoming the spirit of compromise? Are we overcoming the spirit of apathy? Are we overcoming the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world? 
Well, another point to consider is that these seven churches found in chapters 2 and 3, and and remember, let's just back up for a moment. Chapters 1 through 3 in the book of Revelation is the first of the cyclical narratives that describe the victory of Christ and his church over the powers of darkness. That's the general theme of the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. But it's also very interesting to note that these seven churches are never mentioned again throughout the book of Revelation. So, what does the book of Revelation bring forward in terms of the concept of the church? Well, it's kind of as we would expect. It's the universal church. It's all churches in every generation. That's why we read that there's a great multitude that no man can number. Who's that? That's you and I. Or further, those who keep the commandments of God. That's you and I. Or an army who have washed their robes. Again, that's us. That's the universal church. Or the saints, a designation that is used frequently. So the lampstands are the entire church through every age. And this book and this vision is for you and for every generation of believers, not just those living in the first or the final years. Remember, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, says Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, there am I in the midst. Or, the words, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. It's, those are the words in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Or in the book of Hebrews, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you, meaning he is with us. That's our primary role as the church, to testify to the darkness of this age, of the presence and the power and the reality and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, is that what occupies us in the church? I do pray and hope that we, as the living people of God, the body of Christ, the church, the golden candlesticks in our day, would shine from that hill, would kick off the covering that cloaks the darkness, that hides the darkness. And God help us to be lampstands in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. In our next episode, we'll look at John's response to the vision of Christ. I want to thank you for joining me in this episode, and I trust that in the Lord you'll have a very blessed day. Bye-bye.